Hey, what is up, guys? Today's episode is brought to you by the incredible sponsors of the program, ChemicalFreeBody.com. If health and wellness is a priority for you, then check out the incredible products over at ChemicalFreeBody. Plant-based nutritional supplements from Super Greens, my favorite, with all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients, and micronutrients in just one single scoop. Toss it in your glass of water, your shake, your smoothie, however you want to do it. They also have other incredible products, gut detoxers, anti-inflammatories, immune boosters, and so much more. ChemicalFreeBody.com and check out that promo code, it's me, all one word, it's me for discounts at your checkout. And look, we have so many different insurance policies in our life. And if the last couple years has taught you anything, it taught me that storable food needs to be on that list. Prepare with itsme.com, the incredible products over at My Patriot Supply. They have four-week supply of food, three-month supply, all products with up to a 25-year shelf life. Have the peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen, of having storable food and have that supply on deck. It's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And uh, if you have, you know, shaving needs like nice chrome domes like me, SkullShaver.com is a whole new concept in face and head shaving. The products offered over there include men's head shavers, face shavers, hair clippers, and trimmers. And ladies, we haven't forgot about you with the butterfly kiss. And we also have a large selection of accessories to make your life that much more simple. All of the shavers come with uh, removable, washable blades made of premium Japanese stainless steel to ensure flawless results. It just makes it so much easier. You can get your shaving done anytime, anywhere, in or out of the shower. It gets no better. Skullshaver.com, front slash discount, front slash it's me. All of the links to these incredible products will be in the description of this episode. So without further delay, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the show. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another installment of It's Me Speaking to You. I am, as always, your ever-faithful host, Mr. Jeffrey Wilson, coming to you live and direct from the gateway to the West, St. Louis, Missouri, and returning for a trifecta, a third time, man, author, filmmaker. The guy is absolutely killing it. I am so proud. He has a recent film he just completed and just premiered, I believe it was in Detroit, correct me if I'm wrong, my friend, it is called White Boy, which chronicles the life and times and the continuous, continual incarceration of white boy Rick Wershey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program, Mr. Seth Ferrante. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Thanks thanks for having me. And uh, you are correct, it did premiere in Detroit um, no, a week ago, Friday, March 31st. Yeah, and I saw the picture. It was very, very, very cool, man. It played to a clearly a packed house, man. I don't know how many people there were, but that looked like I did not see a single empty seat. Yeah, it was actually it was it was in a thousand seat theater at the Detroit Institute of Arts, right right downtown, and uh, it was sold out. And then they had two more showings, kind of out in the suburbs, and they both sold out too. They were in smaller theaters, like three hundred fifty. So it um it sold out like all three showings like seventeen hundred people oh. and uh, we actually we won the the you know like the audience voice the audience choice awards we won that too for the best film of the whole film festival. Oh, that's what's up, my man. That's what's up. That's I, and I told you when you when you first said you were getting into this one, I was like, whoa, that's a uh, I was it was kind of a curveball because it seemed like it was kind of a dormant subject. Now when it was really tapped into it. Um, of course, white boy Rick Wershey is, is lore in, you know, the criminal history and, and all that stuff that goes on in Detroit and even beyond. You know, help me out, man. Let me sit back and just put my shut my mouth for a minute and let us know, if you don't mind, the story 
uh, of white boy Rick Worshi? Well, you know, when I was locked up, you know, I was locked up mostly on, on the East Coast, like in the Northeast region. You know, and I was in a lot of jails like uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And they, they had a lot of Detroit guys there. So, I mean, we're going like way back to the mid-90s. And, you know, I started I started hearing about this guy, White Boy Rick. And, I mean, I was kind of fascinated because being a, a young white guy in prison, too, you know, I was like, who who is this young white guy that they said was like, you know, the the head of these black criminal enterprises in the in the black underworld. And the, the way these guys talked about him, he just had like this, you know, outsized, massive legend, you know, and, and you know, like, like anybody that's, that's, you know, really infamous or, you know, kind of out there, you know, he had as many detractors as, as he had supporters, but there was just all this stuff. And, and I, I was kind of mesmerized and I was like, you know, who is this dude? You know, so I heard all this legend and stuff like this. And, um, you know, eventually I started writing about street legends myself and I started writing different books. So I decided to reach out to him, you know, because I, I was interested in his story because I, I heard all the legends, but I was actually looking for books and different stuff about him. And there was there was nothing, you know, really out there just besides, you know, the mythology, you know, that you would hear in the street or that you hear in the prisons. So I, I reached out to him and I, I started writing him. And I started finding, he started, like, revealing, like, the real facts of his case. And, you know, he was in prison and I was in prison, and we were kind of writing through my wife. And uh, he was breaking it all down to me. And, you know, he told me, like, he the FBI recruited him as a foreman when he was, like, 14, like, through his dad, you know, who was who was working, you know, for the feds as a, as a confidential informant. And he said, you know, they made him into a drug dealer. They blew him up. You know, they gave him fake ID. They gave him money. They sent him on trips to Vegas. You know, they hooked him up with contacts to sell drugs, you know. And that's basically how he got in the game. And, you know, I had heard the rumors because even, even in prison, you know, like half, like I said, half the people were detractors. And they said, oh, he's a rat. He's a snitch. He's that. You know, and when you're in prison, that's about the worst thing you can be called. Yeah, for but, sure. you know, here's this dude. I'm, I'm writing to him. And, and like, he's telling me the whole story because, you know, at this time in the, in the, you know, when I started writing him, like probably around 2005, he'd been locked up, you know, going on close to two decades and he wanted the real story to get out there because he was trying to get out of prison. You know, he'd been locked up all this time, basically for eight kilos of cocaine, you know, a nonviolent offense. And which at one point in time in Detroit, which at one point in time in Detroit did mean mandatory life, but they've changed that legislation like a long time. So people who were at a certain age that committed certain offenses that demanded life at one point in time were released. And all of those people have been released except for Rick Worshi. Yeah. So that's why it's just, there's so many layers to his story. It's like when when you think you peeled away one layer and you got to the bottom, there's just more stuff and more stuff. And like that, that law you referred to, was called the 650 life law. And anybody busted with over 650 grams of cocaine or heroin was given a life sentence. So that was one thing. And it was eventually repealed. And, you know, he was still in. But an, another thing to his case, he was 17 when he got busted. You know, he was a juvenile. So they, they gave him a life sentence as a juvenile, which around 2012, the Supreme Court said that's illegal. And since 2012, juveniles who murdered people and killed people have gone home and he's still in prison and then like when you peel back the layers even more you see you know in, in michigan even even for somebody like with a 650 lifer law you're supposed to have a parole hearing 
every five years. White boy Rick had one parole hearing in 2003, and he's been locked up now going on 29 years. So there's just all this stuff, and you're like, you're like, why is this guy still in prison? You know, and I just kept, you know, researching and investigating. And, and I'm not going to say he did a lot of stuff to complicate matters, you know, because he was in the state. He had life in the state in Michigan State. And then in 91, some of the same FBI agents that first put him in the game came back to him, you know, because they knew he, he was dating Mayor Coleman's niece. You know, so he knew, you know, it, it was from what it, I Mayor Coleman Young, Ma- Detroit Mayor, Mayor yeah, Coleman Mayor Young, Coleman you're Young. saying he was dating her, her uh, his niece, which I've even heard there was a security detail uh, attached to Mayor Coleman's niece, just not, not, not to interfere with any drug transactions, but to just protect Coleman Young's niece. Yeah, and then, and then like, like, like even her, you know, she, she was before, she was married to Johnny Curry. Who were you know, the, the Curry brothers? Yep. Yeah, they were like the big East Side drug lords, and that was actually who Rick was gathering info on, and they got twenty years. So Rick helped get them locked up. Who was interesting was, like was at the premiere of your movie. One of the Curry brothers, I forget Johnny Curry, I believe, was at the premiere of your movie. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> He's been out. He's yeah, been John, out. Johnny Curry, yeah, Johnny Curry was in the film. Johnny Curry even says, "Man, they need to let let the guy out." You know, and and it's just it's like this crazy. You know, revenge thing because, you know, he helped the feds with a, a 91, like it was 91, early 90s police corruption case in Detroit. You know, and they went in, they, they got, they got like the, the police chief and they got a, a bunch of the people like on that security detail that you were talking about. Yeah. And a lot of them went to prison and, and Rick was actually the one that, you know, he vouched for the agent, you know, told, told the Kathy Curry, he said, look, uh, you know, this agent, this is my connect. You know, he's trying to do some stuff, you know, hook him up with your people so he can bring stuff in here. So he got the agent in that made the whole case, the undercover, you know. And so once he did that, the feds took him. The feds couldn't get him out of the state sentence, you know, because it was a state sentence. But they took him out of the feds and they put him in the witness protection program. And that's why even, you know, it's like he disappeared, you know. And even in prison, that's why a lot of dudes were like, you know, where is this dude? Nobody knew where he was at until 2005. When he caught this other case in Florida, he was in the witness protection program in the Bureau of Prisons, and he caught this other case with another street legend named uh, Lorenzo Fat Cat Nichols for this stolen car ring. You know, I mean, these dudes were in prison, so it's not like they were doing it. They were just like, you know, saying, oh, you can send this car up to Detroit. And really, Rick's whole, everything he did in this fair, it's like, you know, he got his mom like a car for a good price, and they gave him a case for it. Right. You know, and yeah, they yeah. connect them to the stolen. But just, just, it's like as soon as you, you think you know the whole story with mm-hmm. Rick, it's like it's just so much stuff and, and so much complications. And, you know, I'm not saying that the, the dude, you know, it's not, it's not like he's innocent. This is not a wrongful conviction. You know, it's, a, it's an extreme case of over-sentencing. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, nobody is in jail 29 years for eight kilos of cocaine. So... You know, and I and especially I being charged at seventeen, sixteen, or whatever it was, like that's crazy. Yeah, as a as a nonviolent offender, but you know, when you, when you when you look at it more and more, you see, you know, we even interviewed a homicide cop, uh, you know, William Rice, and he even said, like in that two thousand three parole hearing, he had instructions from his boss to go there and say a whole bunch of stuff to make sure that white boy Rick didn't get out. You know, and then you just look at the newspaper headlines, like. You know, in the in the film, we have some of the newspaper headlines from Detroit where they said like he was the head of Best Friends. 
He wasn't right. the head of best friends. I mean, he knew all those dudes. They were all, you know, the Brown brothers were all from the same hood as him. But, you know, at one time after a couple of years, you know, Nate Boone Craft, who's also, who was the main hitman for the best friends. Boy, I saw that movie. picture with, I yeah. saw that picture with you and him. I'm like, holy, sh I was my dad who's in town and he's sitting there listening right now. I'm like, Pops, you don't know the background of this cat right here, but dude, Nate Boone Craft was the. <laughs> I don't want to wind I mean, 30, up. 30 confessed, hey, 30 confessed murders, man. And he wound you know, up getting uh, out. He wound up getting, you know, because, you know, he wound up giving information about other cats that wound up taking down basically the best friends, like you said, Reg Book Brown, yeah. uh, all the cats. Yeah, that's... he did it. He did it. He did a Sammy the Bull, but, you know, even because I talked to them, makes sense to me about this. And. You know, I know, I know in the streets or even in prison, everybody's like, oh, snitch, rat, this. But, you know, the, the dudes and best friends who was his crew, I mean, they tried to kill him. I mean, right. Nate Boone is all, he's all shot up, man. He, yeah. got, he got hit. He got hit like nine or ten times, you know, with like a shotgun, a Mac-10, and, and a nine millimeter. Even in the movie, he shows all his scars. So, you know, that's why, you know, there's always a reason. Like people do what they do. Well, once you know they hey, once they know. took out when he was locked up, and I know you know this. Once he was locked up, and they took out his brother, that was a whole nother script, man. The best friends wound up hitting his brother. Um, you know, you know, and, and forget his name, man. Who's the? It's not Culpepper, but who's the other defense attorney that's been uh, that you have in your show? Um, he defended he defended uh, a lot of the uh, YBI guys. Oh, and Steve Fishman. Steve, Steve Fishman. Fishman. Yeah, he even said in a couple of shows yeah, I've yeah. seen, he's like, man, these guys say I'll do life, you know, before I snitch, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look down the list, when the shit hits the fan, brothers are singing like canaries in order to avoid some serious time. Oh yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, it's very few. And um, I don't know. To to me, you know, as, as a young man, the, the whole you know, criminal, murder, code of honor and all that, you know, it meant to me, it meant something to me. But now, you know, as you get older, you see it, it it's, it's like a lot of things. It's, it's like they sell these dreams or they sell this facade to the youth, to the young kids, and, yes. and they believe in all this stuff. And it's really, you know, most of the biggest dope dealers or the biggest criminal head or organized crime dude, they, I mean, they're working hand-in-hand hand with cops. There's always some type of connection. Always. You know, even like the cartels, they, they you know, they, snitch on the other cartel so you know at the end of the day you can say all you want about death before dishonor you know omerta the code of honor but a lot of it i mean it's a pipe dream you know it's something that they glorify in movies and rap songs but you know when it comes to real life you know i'm not saying that there are dudes that, that stand up and, and follow that all the way straight up you know but it that's like that's like but you it's know, it's it's almost rare, like a it's a issue. it's almost like a, a psychological technique, like you said, when you're talking about the youth, whether it's a gang, whether it's you know mafia, whatever, you know they they kind of pump that into the youth. You need or even Al Qaeda, you know what I mean? The the young dumb brainwashed yeah, yeah, youth. Yeah. You need to have them believing in some kind of narrative, and that that those are the foot soldiers you need. Like you know you want you know death before dishonor, et cetera, et cetera. But it never tends to work out that way. We've seen from, you know, Frank Matthews. If anybody hasn't seen the Frank Matthews documentary, boy, if you thought Frank Lucas was the man, dude, man, Frank Matthews. Oh, no, no. Yeah, Frank Matthews was, I mean, they call him Black Caesar. Yeah, I mean, he still he hasn't been caught. He just disappeared. I wonder if he's still alive. But getting back to Detroit, man, and why Rick might be still locked up, I and mean, you're talking about political. There's so much, so many political ties, like you said, Mayor Coleman Young. And a lot of people don't even know. They might recognize the face and the name. Uh, rest in peace to the gentleman, Gil Hill, who was Axel Foley's chief in uh, Detroit, uh, in Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, he has some part in, you know, some of these, 
he was a, not necessarily a part of a shooting, but covering up a shooting. There was so much dirt going on in Detroit. Talk to me about the political implications as to why, because that's really what it is, why he's still locked up. He got, he has, I forget, I should, I should have did better research, but the, the, the lawyer who wound up getting promoted to, I think, a better federal position, he helped lie on Rick, too. There's so many people who've gained and profited from this case. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it was just a thing where, you know, um, I think him going out with the mayor's daughter was, was like a, you know, like a, like, like a big embarrassment, yeah. you know, to, to the mayor, especially, you know, because, I mean, they're inside the government, so they know the truth. They know he was FBI informant and all this type of stuff like that. I mean, because there's no way the people in the government, you know, of Detroit, the Detroit Police Department didn't know this because he was, he was doing stuff for them, too. So, you know... Like even even Mayor Coleman came out, you know, and called like on the news. He said Rick Worsley was a stool pigeon, and you know that's kind of crazy. You're the mayor of Detroit, and, and you're calling this guy a stool pigeon, you know. So it just kind of shows the mentality. But you know that you got the people. You got Mayor Coleman young, and then you got Gil Hill, and then that goes all the way to today. Gil Hill and Kim Worthy, they worked very very closely together for a lot of years, you know, in in the government. Gil Hill and who? Gil Hill was like an Kim Worthy, who's a prosecuting attorney in Wayne County and who has been the one who's been blocking, you know, all the motions that Rick's lawyers fight, you know, to try to get resentenced and right. stuff like that. She's the one that's blocking it, and she's still the, the prosecuting attorney in Wayne County today. So it's like these ties, it's just like these strings and, and ties, you know. If, if it was on the criminal side, they would call it a conspiracy. Exactly. You know, but since it's on the government or the law enforcement side – Oh, it's all good. It's all hush hush. You know, there's nothing there. You know, but it. You know, if it was on the flip side, they would make this big indictment and they would show the conspiracy. So that's kind of what we tried to do in the film. We tried to show this conspiracy and we try to connect all these different webs and and like you know we got ex FBI agents. You know, the interview we interviewed Chris Hansen. You know, who yeah. was one of the biggest reporters in Detroit. Dateline NBC. Yeah, he was covering all the stuff. I mean, he he did Tick Touch a Predator, and now he's on uh, Crime Watch Daily. But he did all the series, like on the Chambers Brothers, you know, White Boy Rick, the Best Friends, Curry Brothers, all the big drug gangs in the 80s. He was out there. You know, that's kind of how he made his name. You know, we interviewed, you know, ex-Hitman, Nate Bluecraft, ex-Drug Lord, Johnny Curry. You know, it, all the lawyers, Steve Fishman, Ralph Maselli, his other lawyer, and you know, when you, when you listen to all these different parts that all these people know or that they played and you put it all together, you can see everything for what it is, you know? I mean, it's been a conspiracy to keep this man in jail just because they felt, you know, that he exposed the corruption that they were doing. Or basically, you know, if you want to take it down the street terms, the government people like Mayor Coleman Young regime, they were getting money, and Rick Worshi messed up their money so that's why he's still in prison right he stopped working you know, for him simple, yeah simple yeah simple simple revenge tactic you know they felt like he messed up the money that they were getting and exposed some of the stuff they were doing you know because in that police corruption case you know the sergeant jimmy harris who was mayor coleman young's you know chief of security and the chief of security team that watched Catherine volson curry he went down on that Catherine kathy volson curry's father willie volson who was like, you know, the political, you know, he was like the connection between like the street dudes and the political organization and the cops. You know, he went down on that. 
So a lot a lot of people went down because of the information that Rick provided. And that that's why it's so crazy because it's like you think, okay, he's an informant. All these people went down. He exposed all this corruption. You know, most places, you know, he would have been kicked out. I mean, look at Sammy the Bull. Sammy the Bull murdered so many people, and and he's out. I mean, look at Bo- I mean, you crazy. know, God love him, dude. But you know, look at Boone, Nate, Kraft. Like, brother, he, like you said, he's he's put a lot of people yeah, on the just, ground. And he's just, a free man. Yeah. So I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, it's just I'm, crazy. So one that's of the, what, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're just, um, you know, that's when I, I've been writing him a long time, since like 2005, and then, you know, I, I did a couple big articles on him, like like on the 6th in 2012, that was really the first time that he went on record saying that he was in police informant, you know, because being in prison, he didn't want to say that for a long time, you know, because, I mean, nobody wants to be labeled a snitch in prison. Right. I mean, that's the worst thing you can be labeled. But Well, know, even we to have his father, the kind of, not, I don't want to, the lineage of for lack of a better term, snitching, not just from him or being an informant, not just from him, but also his father, that, that can't help him in prison. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, he, I mean, he was in there trying to survive. So for a lot of years, he didn't want to talk about that stuff, but you know, then it got to the point where he's like, man, am I ever going to get out? You know? So, so he started talking about it and we, we kind of, you know, exposed that and, and brought that all out. But then when I got out in late, you know, 2014, early 2015, that was one of my goals. I was like, you know, I, I wanted to get into films anyhow. And I was, you know, I, I've been writing about gangsters for a long time. And, you know, kind of when I first started, because I was in prison, I was writing for my peers. So I was probably glorifying it and romanticizing a lot of stuff. But, you know, once I got out, I knew if I wanted more people, you know, to like what I'm doing or, or appeal to a more mainstream audience, you know, you, you have to break stuff down in, in different ways so it appeals to more people. So when I got out, that that was one of my goals. It was it was to get him out, and it was to find someone, you know, that would help me or have the infrastructure so we could make a film that would be almost like a, a advocacy type of piece that breaks down everything that went on. And, you know, I, I was extremely lucky because I, I hooked up with Sean Reck from Transition Studios, you know, who uh, – you know, he's a Showtime director. He has, like, a murder in the park. He had already got our story Simon out of prison and murder in the park when I hooked up with him. And we talked about the idea, you know, and, uh, you know, I got I got Rick. You know, I secured his cooperation for the film, and that was about two years ago. You know, and uh, Sean really, Sean Rick kind of took me under his wing. You know, really, I mean, I, I wrote, I helped write and produce a film, and, and I provided a lot of access, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's Sean's film. You know, he's a filmmaker. He was a director. I mean, he's the one that made this whole ship run. You know, I, I would just kind of, you know, really he kind of took me under his wing. He's really taught me a lot the last year. But he even, he even taught me because there's a way you can take the gangster stuff, you know, and, and show it in stories like Rick and other stories with a lot of corruption and, and stuff like that. Because, I mean, a, a lot of these dudes, I'm, I'm not saying these dudes, they're, you know, they're not bad dudes or you know, there's not a lot of mythology and, and street legends and, and stuff about them. But, I mean, a lot of times the government, and especially in this case, the government is just corrupt, just as corrupt. Like, there's a line in the film where I say on camera, where I say something to the effect, like I say, you know, everybody's going to knock a drug dealer for doing what he has to do, you know, to make a dollar. But, you know, no one is going to knock the government to do what they got to do you know, to, to bust people or, or get people off the street, even if it's by corrupt means. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunately because, quite frankly, what's going on, and I mean, this is just a microcosm. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the podcast I do with USC Hall of Famer Pat Millich. It's called The Conspiracy Farm, but we talk about this all the time. The global network of the trade of guns, people, you know, just arms. It's just, it's, it's absolutely insane. And there's no in, in plenty of banks that are willing to wash these hundreds of millions of dollars. You've seen from Wachovia to to Wells Fargo to uh, I mean they're just everywhere. The, the fines, the hundreds of millions of dollars of fines that are levied for for washing you know hundreds of millions of dollars of drug money. But like you said, there seems to be more attention put on the lower level street whatever as opposed to the the full on whomever that facilitates the whole thing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, I, I was, I feel like me, myself, you know, I, I had got 25 years when I was 22 and I did 21 straight years. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of a victim of the drug war. So that, that's kind of been my goal since I've come back out to the world with my, my writing. And now as I'm moving to films, I want, I want to expose the, the dirty secrets of the drug war, you know, and, and, and even like, I mean, it's crazy. Like you look at an institution like the DEA, the DEA seizes so much money, right, from people, and it's people that aren't even convicted or charged with anything, and the DEA goes in and just takes their money and keeps it. And it's like billions and billions of dollars. So how can you have a government agency that is, is basically like self-serving and feeds themselves, you know, and ensures their own survival by just going and seizing people's money, you know, if it's drug-related or not drug-related? So it's just... I mean, and that's, it's like crazy the way that these institutions have flourished and, and grew and become into these big things. And, you know, you see it all, like, with the, the medical marijuana and the big pharma now, and it's, it's just crazy. Like, you know, they're seeing all this stuff coming out now. Medical marijuana, you know, can help opiate addiction and all this different stuff. But yet these big pharma companies, you know, they're not having it. They're putting all their money into fight, you know, medical marijuana legalization because they're making so much money you know, off of, uh, you know, all these, you know, heroin derivatives and stuff like that that have our whole nation and, and kids and people all over the nation addicted to this stuff in Oxycontin. And it, it's just, it's like crazy, like the, the greed, man, and, and the war on drugs, and it, it all ties in, and you can just really see how it's all uh, money-motivated. Yeah, like I said, especially if you could see the, see the, do the homework and see where, you know, the trail lies, it's always in the dough. And like again, you can name the politicians who are involved, and like you can name the huge banks who have historically been involved in in this racket, and it's it's absolutely insane, man. And it's I'm hoping you know not just a movie like yours, man. And like I said, I, I've been kind of studying Rick Wershey, and I've known about Rick Wershey for some time, and it's it's very much so indicative of the hypocrisy of the drug laws, et cetera. But um, a la the success of uh, what was that movie called, uh, Making of a Murder which just like fuck yeah. man broke the internet when that came out but it wound up reopening that case of that of that whole thing in I don't know if they're going to free that person or how that wound up going but it was that that social momentum from that movie that wound up you know changing things in that regard so I'm hoping honestly dude and I know you are too that the the, the impact of this movie starts making those people accountable whoever that state prosecutor is I know that's not, I don't know if that's a, a, I think that's an appointed position, but, you know, start voting, start, you know, start calling, start making these people accountable for their actions, but you got to get hip to what's going on. Like, you can't know, your actions are irrelevant if you don't know what's really going on. So I think this movie, and I hope this movie, helps bring some serious awareness um, 
to what what was going on in Detroit. And if you you know anything about Detroit, fast forward however many years, Kwame Kilpatrick, etc. You know, it's it's been a spot rife. I'm sure Detroit's a lovely city, but politically, it's uh it's been rife with corruption for some time. And unfortunately, young well not young anymore, but Mr. Rick Worsey's paid for it for a good fucking few decades. Yeah, and I I just think even even like situations like Detroit. And I'm not saying all politicians or all law enforcement people are corrupt. I mean, I know there's there's some good people that are trying to do the right thing, but even even like Detroit, Detroit, you know, is is a microcosm of stuff that's going on all over, and we we even see it now with, with Trump and you know all the whispers about this and all the whispers about that. You know, and there were whispers about Mayor Coleman Young for years. I mean, he never got convicted or anything, or he never went down, mm-hmm. but. When you look at it in retrospect, a lot of times when there's whispers, you know, a lot, a lot of time that stuff is true, you know, right. and and when it's on a criminal side, if they make it a criminal, you know, that's a conspiracy. But, you know, if it's, it's if it's a government or the establishment, you know, then it's like, you know, kept under wraps. It's all it's all hush hush. Yeah. You know, and, and nothing ever happens. And, and they're never hold, held accountable, like you said. And it's in it, and again, it, it is just a microcosm from from like the local level of Detroit, which is still a big city, up to the federal level, where you know even at the global level, our politicians, nobody's ever held accountable. Because if, if you start pulling that string of like you know your top officials being complicit of this or that conspiracy, it's like, well, who you know who isn't involved? You know, from Watergate or whatever, everything always goes to the top, as we notice. And like you said, it's interesting how. Um, how the law is applied from you know the government side that winds up completely covering its ass while we wind up again hearing about fines levied all these huge banks it's all like you said cops always have to be involved not literally like you said not all cops i've had family members and friends that are cops but none of these things can go down without the tacit approval of your your cops your local government that winds up oftentimes you know feeding the larger larger machine yeah, and then at the at the end of the day too, it all comes back to money. Just like just like anything criminals are doing, how they're doing, you know, people selling drugs or whatever, they're doing it for money. But I mean, really, the governments are are the biggest gangs. I mean, they're trying to get money too. They're trying to use their position as a hustle to get whatever they can to enrich themselves. And you know, I mean, I guess maybe you know that's that's capitalism. That's what America's about. But. <laughs> I mean, it, you know? it, it is it, it, in a weird, sick way. It is, but like you said, the application of the law, you know, it just it doesn't it doesn't tease out that way. You know, I've had on uh, Freeway Rick Ross, who I know you know as well, and I've spoken to recently. You know, perfect example. You know, he was a unbeknownst to him, he was a part of a CIA operation to bring crack cocaine into into South Los Angeles. You know what I mean? And that that whole thing uh, created yeah. a. It's just. In that, and honestly, yeah. whether people realize it or not, it was a part of Iran Contra and the Clintons. And you know, bushes. And it ignited it's... it ignited the crack epidemic. All that cocaine ignited the crack ep- epidemic and and destroyed African American communities. Absolutely. And I would say, even even from then, you know, then with the mass incarceration and the war on drugs, I don't think the Af- most African American communities haven't recovered from that yet. I mean, they're still in the throes of all that. You know, that was you know subjugated that through them through cocaine being brought in by the CIA. Absolutely. Like you said, the ramifications are still evident to this day. And then, you know, exit, exit crack. And then now you have all this heroin fentanyl business. I mean, it's it's really twisted, man. And like I said, not to get into a too large of a conversation, divert from Rick, but, 
you know, under the Taliban. Now, the Taliban was good, but they didn't have heroin going on. But once we went in there, the heroin trade throughout the world increased by some 200%. And, you know, we see every day kids dying from this shit. So it's like, you know, it's no puzzle to me and probably yourself. You know, they're, they're profiting off this, as they always have. Like I said, guns, people, it, it's some twisted shit. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Rick Wershey on a smaller level is is a victim of you know some political i think i forget it was you or scott bernstein uh i think it's his name he's a political prisoner like he's he's literally oh yeah 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 no scott said he is he's a political prisoner that's why man i'm 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 just hoping we can get enough enough eyeballs and make a big enough impact he you know the, there's a possibility of him having another parole hearing in june so you know hopefully that'll come through and, and uh, let him out he will still have to go deal with the florida case but it, you know, our our movie is going to build pressure, and then yes. you know, right on the heels of our movie being released, uh, you know, in January 2018 is going to be the Hollywood version of history. The movie, movie, yeah, I heard yeah, that. Was, real? Yeah. Is that yeah, legit? They've been filming it. Yeah, with Matthew Matthew McConaughey, no. Jennifer Jason Lee. They have Bruce Dern. They found this uh, young hip hop kid, like a Caucasian kid from inner city Baltimore, named Richie Merritt, who's playing Rick. Oh. You know they got they got they got a lot of different rappers to play the different roles and uh, I mean it's it's going to be a real explosive you know spectacular movie too they got uh you know Jan Damage you know real critically acclaimed uh you know British director he's the director of it you know they got uh, Scott Franklin is one of the producers he did like like Black Swan and and the Wrestler and stuff like that so I mean it's, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be so dope event. oh it's going to be so yeah. dope. Dude, that is gonna yeah, man. It's, it's it's like a forty. It's like a forty to sixty million dollar budget in a Hollywood feature. Dude, that see yeah, that they, along they're with actually filming right now. They're filming right now in Cleveland, and uh, you know Scott Bernstein is like one of the uh, consultants for oh, that. Oh, dude, that guy's a filming. freaking. He's a rain yeah. man on this shit, guy. That guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, I was at him, you know, he picked me up from the airport when we went in, when we flew into Detroit. You know, and I stayed with him all day, hanging out. You know he's doing uh, Rick's biography right now too. So, yeah, I mean he he goes back to like the Jewish gangs in Detroit, the Purple Gang. Like, dude, I've I've followed his work forever, man. But like, literally, man, for for Rick, for this thing to kind of get pulled back and really, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie The Hurricane, the whole thing with Ruben Hurricane Carter. He had to go yeah, through yeah, all yeah, those yeah. all those state trials, which were horseshit, and he really had to expose on a federal level because the states were all the books were cooked. He had to expose on a federal level the, the all the intricacies, all the shit that that corrupted his case and that's almost what has to happen here i mean i hope and i really do hope that these movies yours and the you know the the motion picture creates that kind of groundswell that you just can't deny it anymore you know what i mean and i know rick's oh, like no, man y'all yeah, need to hurry up with this been, it's definitely been building you know even uh you know the the filmmaker i'm working with sean rick um he leaked some of the nate boone craft footage you know after we did the interview and when he did that and he said that Gil Hill t told him to kill white boy Rick, you know, Kim Worthy backed off and she said, she said she's not going to block, you know, cause she had been blocking, you know, every time, you know, that he was coming up, you know, like, cause one judge tried to resentence him and she blocked it. She appealed it. And she came out like the day after, you know, this footage was leaked. She came out and she said, you know, she's changing her stance. 
you know, on the, on the Rick Horshey case, and she's going to uh, – Really? You know, she's not going to stand in the way. She's going to leave it to the parole board. So, I mean, we, we've always – Which is a whole other conversation about the parole board and who those people are. Like, that. that's a – like, you know, you – that that's a whole other beast to overcome. That's some political horse shit right there. That that parole board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're appointed by the governor, so I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, an ideal situation would just be the governor, you know, doing the right thing and just you know standing up and and you know letting clear, him go, pardon him or whatever. Man. But that really, how, how many years has I he mean, been in, man? How many years has Rick been in? He's going on twenty nine, twenty nine years. Yeah, I mean, it's thirty nineteen eighty eight. That's just unheard of, man. That's just crazy. And he was 17 years old, you know, wow. and he got he got busted for eight kilos. So I mean, it's just you yeah. Know, I mean, it, like you said, crazy, he did. I, I really feel for the dude. I mean, like you said, it's not like he's completely an angel or innocent of everything, but like man, 20, he's he's done his time, and people who've yeah, done I mean, worse you know, are out. Yeah, murderers, rapists. You know, pedophiles do less time. Yeah, I mean that just lets you know. I mean that is some political shit right there. I mean that's. There's no other other explanation for it. When you have people who've done significantly way worse crimes out, and you're in, and then you you know you peel it back, and he's got all these associations, like ah okay, well there it is, you know, like it's yeah. you can't it's political prisoner right there. It's I can't wait to see it, man. And I you know again congratulations and continued success with this, and I will do all I can to help you know raise awareness, because um, I mean this is going to be a you know obviously a movie that needs to be out, and I really can't wait to see the motion picture as well. And I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with um, uh, what was that? Kill the Messenger that got into the whole. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary yeah. Webb, Rick yeah, Ross, yeah. Gary Webb, yeah. It just brings yeah, an awareness, you know what I mean, guys? Way. Yes, absolutely. I've been chewing on this shit for unfortunately way too long, and I have people who look at me so strange when I talk about it because they think I'm a freaking nutbag. But it's so cool to see so much the language changing now. We're talking, we're now finally talking about fake news and Operation Mockingbird and. And you know the, these conversations, you know, it's it's the, it's making it mainstream, which is I'm oh, gives me a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, makes me feel a little more positive about things coming, even though the world's on fire. But brother, yeah, give me a shout out. What, uh, what kind of social networking can we find you? Where can we find Mr. Seth Ferrante, a or a trailer to the flick, or any info on the flick? Um, yes, yeah, if, if all if all you have to do is uh, Google like um white boy documentary trailer and, and it'll come up there's a there's a trailer on vimeo there's also a trailer you know for the film festival it's called the free film festival for the uh detroit free press and they have a link you know so if you did free film festival white boy rick the trailer would come up but then uh you can you can find me i got my website gorilla convict it's like you know every, everything gangster all the gangster mm -hmm. articles and interviews and stuff i did and you know, I'm, I'm on all, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like all under my name, Seth Ferrante. But uh, you write for you know, Vice. You, and don't forget, you write for. I don't know if you continue to write for Vice. Oh, you yeah, have written for Vice. No, I write for Vice. Yeah, I write for Vice. I write for Ozzy. You know, I just, uh, I actually just did a feature on Nate Boomcraft for Penthouse. It's going to be in the May Penthouse. You know, it's called a uh, Evolution of Hitman. You know, where he kind of tells his story, and um, you know, I got, I got a lot of stuff going on, man. A lot of you do stuff. I'm, I'm moving more in, into the film world, you know, trying to do some different things. And I mean, eventually I want to, I want to start doing features, but I, I'm kind of, you know, I, I feel kind of at a disadvantage because, you know, I, I spent so much time inside just writing. So now I'm, I'm out and, you know, I'm working with different filmmakers and, and I'm learning and I'm kind of, you know, I, I decided when I came out, I, I didn't want to go to film school and, and take four years or this or that. I just want to, 
you know, to start working with filmmakers and, and learning so that I can become a filmmaker, and, and that's what I've been doing. Well, you definitely saved yourself on some school loans there if that was uh, wouldn't have been your route. But I think movies like this, man, are definitely going to open doors for you, bro. I mean, like I, like I said, I've been following a lot of your work, and not just your writing work, but uh, your books as well. I got your Supreme Team book right here as well as your Street Legends that you sent me, man. Just awesome stories, man. It's so cool. Well, the different you, – you, you've lived a few lives, my man, and you've gotten yourself exposed to some very interesting stuff. You have some very interesting stories. And uh, what you've done, at least from what I can tell from the trailer on the uh, – Rick Worsh's story, you, you might be hugely responsible for freeing this man. So uh, kudos to you, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I hope, man. I, I would like to see him. That's what I, that's what I always tell him. I, I, I've been telling him, you know, every year, like, this is your year. And I really feel like, you know, now 2017, you know, because he deserves to be out, man. He's it's done coming. so much time. Like I said, yeah, he's he's severely – it's it's probably one of the worst – cases of uh over sentencing in michigan history it at if not u.s history without a doubt i mean it's it's pretty ridiculous when you get into the story but uh again man thank you so much for taking the time i'm so looking forward to catching the movie it is called white boy am i correct yeah it's called white boy yeah um it you know they're looking for a buyer right now so you know as soon as they find a buyer there'll, there'll be an announcement you know, and it's 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 going to be somewhere. You know, we don't, we don't know yet. You know, they're in negotiations, but uh, you know, like I say, the the guy I'm working with, you know, Sean Reck, his his last film, A Murder in the Park, is on. Uh, it was on Showtime, and now it's on Netflix too. So, you know, it's, it's going to be someplace big, man. But you know, these type of things take time, and of course, you know, I'm 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 yeah, I'm interested to find out where where it does end up. You know, because I I can't wait. Well, I mean, we've caused like a little wave right now, but I know. You know, when you get on something like that and you just get so many eyeballs on it and people start talking about it, because even though there's people like us that know this story, I mean, there's there's millions and millions of people that, that, you know, tens of millions of people that have never heard of this story that, you know, if they did hear about it and when they do hear about it, they're going to be outraged. Well, and it's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but you're, you're not only riding a wave of an actually produced film that you guys have done. You're talking about Matthew McConaughey and Jennifer Jason Lee in a in a big budget movie. So I mean that between the two of those, that's going to tag team to to create some serious inertia on on getting that truth out. Because like you said, you, you know, almost like what Reuben Hurricane Carter said, you know, with that federal deposition he gave to that judge. Like once you see the truth, you cannot, you will not be able to turn away from this. You know what I mean? As in, as yeah. uh, as much nuance and, and, and so much shit going on with it, with corruption and all this other shit, once this stuff is laid out, I mean, like you said, he was freaking an employee of the feds when he was 16 years old at the Hearns-Hagler fight, you know, whatever it was in Vegas, you know, with, it's just crazy. Well, you know, it's crazy. And that's what I think, I think this film, it's just like, like the Hurricane film, just like the Memphis Three, you know, just like Making a Murderer. I mean, I believe this film is, is going to have the same impact and, you know, it's, it's going to get them out and it's going to open up a lot of eyes, you know, and ex- expose, you know, the, the, the dirty secrets of the drug war, man, stuff that they've been trying to, you know, keep under wraps. Well, and it's and a it's beautiful all, thing, man. It's, it's exposed. It is, man. And honestly, over the last several years, like I said, I've been thought of as a crazy man for talking some of the stuff I talk, but it's now becoming a little bit more mainstream. And what he's going to talk about, Rick Worshi, if he does get out, and even now he talks about it. How you know there's there's so much corruption from the top level to the bottom that that goes on while you know players in the game like him who did do dirt wind up serving way more you know what I mean it's just this misapplication of of the law but uh, 
Again, man, thank you so very much, Seth Ferranti. Uh, brother, I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, seriously, job well done, and hopefully this bears the fruit that we all uh, we all hope for. Hello? Uh, let me know, man. We're, we're both in St. Louis. we got to get together sometime, man. Hang out. Absolutely, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been Seth Ferrante. He is an author. He is a filmmaker. And uh, he, he's doing some very good things to uh, to free a dude who has definitely served his time. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. There will be more. All right, my bad, dude. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know you. Know, I didn't think you know I was signing off. But, uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Holy shit, dude. That's what's up, man. I see I was flipping through the pictures last night, and I saw you and Boone, and I've, I've seen pretty much all the damn documentaries on him. So I'm just like, damn. That was crazy. Yeah. No, Boone, Boone is pretty cool, man. I mean, I mean now you know, I'm you sure he is, shit. What it is. I mean, like you said, can't yeah, use I mean, his left hand. Got, as I mean, he's like, got a dude. Like, did you say he can't? He got shot. He could. He can't use his left arm or left hand. You know, it's like. Hello. Craft. I mean, I guess you don't want to see Boone come out. You know, that, no. I mean, that's probably when things get deadly. Right, and I, I can't even imagine, dude. That I mean, just hearing that resume and how those guys used to get down, like, shush, no thanks. Yeah, that's why. Even I, I did like the article for him in Penthouse, and like I, you know, I, I said it to him, like, I make sure you're cool with this. I want, I don't want to have you yeah. like, afterwards. Like you're, you're after me because I misquoted you. You know, you know what I mean? Make sure you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's told like, his story you know, enough times. Like shit, he's, you know, I, I, I'm hoping he's cool with it because, like I said, he's. I seen him on that Gangland. I think I, he was either oh, yeah, yeah, either yeah. Al Prophet's flick or that uh, that Flip Wilson. I mean, I've seen enough of him where it's like shit. That that brother's story's out there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I got I got his number though. So I talked to him. Uh, hopefully, you know, if, if I'm hoping, man, if this uh, this white boy movie gets big enough, you know, that it's going to lead to some spinoffs. Because uh, I I'd like to write a book about Boone. Oh, you know, yeah. Told, you know, you I mean, know, like going back to his Vietnam, I'm... like, hell yeah, dude. I, I Some of the things that just yeah. stick out about him, like the Vietnam training and then bring it back to the hood. And then uh, when he talked about how the cops used to put him and some other cats out in Belle Isle, the fucking water, and shoot at him and shit. I'm just like, damn, dude. Yeah. It's yeah, just crazy, man. Crazy life. Yeah. I mean, even even in the white boy, like, we hadn't, he's talking about how when white boy Vic was going to court, he was sitting on a building across from the courthouse, you know, with, with a, you know, a, a sniper rifle, you know, trying to, you know, get a shot so he could kill him. Yeah, that's right. Like, he was, he was like, contracted like to kill movie him. Shit. Yeah, yeah. The state shit. Movie, movie type shit. Mission impossible. I know, dude, but he was that dude, man. He was that cat guy coming back with that freaking military training, which he, he applied it to some fucking Sith Lord shit, man. That shit, that brother. This is no joke. All right, man, I actually have another interview later in like 15 minutes. But, man, thanks a lot, dude. And yeah, dude, we have to link up, man. I come by the bar. I'm usually at that juke joint on the weekends or whatever, man. But, ooh, shit, even outside of that, man, we should still link up and sit down and just chop it up, bro. All right, yeah, no, definitely. Like I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm, be working a lot. I'm really busy, but, uh, you know, I got, I got, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to California in the middle of May, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, brother. You're always going somewhere. 
Your shit's always popping up somewhere around the world, which is a beautiful thing. Like, you were in Jamaica not long ago. I mean, shit, brother, you were inside for a hot minute. That's why I'm so glad to see you travel. I'm like, this brother didn't come out and just sit around. You went out and saw the I'm fucking world. Man. Yeah, baby. That, and that's what's up, up, dude. Yeah, and, that, and all the work you're doing. That's why, I man, big big shout-outs to you, brother. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan, man. So, honestly, that's, you you really Boy, carving out a I nice little niche. Yeah, for real, dude. We, we will, um, we'll link up sooner than later, my friend. All right. Well, be safe and, and thanks, man. All right. All right. We'll talk soon, man. All right. Bye bye. Later, Seth.